And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz. I'm alone tonight. Uh, Mike Miller is unable to be with us tonight. Uh, keep him in your prayers. He's feeling a little under the weather. And so uh, I'm going to be kind of riding this one solo, but I'm not really solo because I've got a good friend, a good brother, one who I've ministered with on the streets tonight. And we're going to talk about becoming a better open air preacher. Uh, again, this is episode number 490. So I want you to go and share this episode. Uh, share it with those that you may think are interested in doing evangelism and doing open air preaching because we're going to talk about sports fan outreach a bit or sport fan outreach international a bit. Uh, and it's a great opportunity for people to get out and maybe uh, connect with other brothers who are doing this open air evangelism. And so this would be a great show that you would want to share with them. So uh, as we get into this, let me bring on my friend here, my brother in the Lord. Uh, this is Heath Pussell, and he is a good brother. I've been able to minister with you, brother, at the Derby. That's that's really the only event I've done with Sports Fan, uh, and we've labored together. Uh, I don't know how many years uh, we, we were together out there, but uh, it's been many, and, and you are always a blessing to uh, uh, get to reconnect with every time we get out there. So, brother, I want to I want to thank you, and I appreciate you coming on the program tonight. Why don't you go ahead, and for those that don't know you, give a little bit about yourself and how you came to know the Lord. All right. Well, Ricky, yeah, it's been several years of laboring at the Derbies, and uh, we, we've been through a lot <laughs> at the Derbies. Uh, but I'm Heath Putzel uh, from Fisherman's Call from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, you know, I kind of like a, I don't want to say a standard uh, testimonial that you've heard, but I grew up in a church uh, that was somewhat of a, I would say a King James preferred Baptist. And again, just kind of setting the stage here, um, grew up in a church in Sunday school, had never um, accepted the invitation per se. And after a Sunday school session, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. Um, raised my hand, they took me off into another room, explained what it meant. It didn't really have an impact on my life. Uh, I used to cut up with my friends in you know, the front row as uh, some of the pastor's kids and uh, get kind of like a really uh, evil eye from my grandmother. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just kind of kind of lived, uh, I don't want to say a double life, but uh, just kind of a good moral person. Pick up my Bible, read it, start in Genesis, read it to about numbers and get bored with it and just set it down. And, uh, you know, whenever I'd feel pr pretty guilty, um, just kind of back at it. And that happened through most of my life. Um, went off to the military, um, started attending uh, because it got us out of uh, Sunday duty. Um, <laughs> Been started, there, done that. I know, right? <laughs> started attending with my friend a, a Catholic mass, actually, and it was kind of a rock band and everything else. And, um, you know, then was my grandparents were Catholic as well. So uh, kind of pursuing that avenue, um, believe it or not, in the military was seriously considering <laughs> priesthood um, <laughs> as an unsafe person, of course. Uh, but, you know, you could say the mass and know everything that was going on with it. But anyway, I just kept same thing back and forth, back and forth. Uh, went to another duty station and uh, met up with a, a good buddy of mine, a chaplain, um, and still uh, re recommitted my life and was leading dorm outreaches but still kind of that, that same aspect, not really a heart change. And it really wasn't until uh, right after we were married, I guess you could say many times rededicated my life. And I was reading uh, in my quiet time through the gospels and I saw the power of God just moving. And I had sat through many evangelism classes, uh, you know, Romans road, you name it. Mm -hmm. And they never just quite resonated. Uh, most of the time it was like make a friendship with somebody and it was kind of like that bait and switch. You know, you're, you're becoming friends with them. They share the gospel with them. And I kind of threw a fleece out there per se and seeing the power, excuse me, the power of the gospels and said, Lord, I'm doing all these things, you know, as, as if Lord doesn't know, <laughs> you know, kind of like my pedigree here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things, but the one thing I'm not doing is sharing my faith. And I know that's something we should do. So, uh, Lord, please, uh, you know, show me how to share the gospel biblically. And uh, just kind of to, uh, back 
back up a little bit. While I was in the um, my last duty station in the Air Force, one of my friends had actually gone up to a, a singles conference and had brought back like the the 16 session series of Ray Comfort's Hell Best Kept Secret. Red Hell's Best Kept Secret thought it was bold. I talked with a chaplain who just kind of downplayed it and said, yeah, that's never going to work. And um, just kind of set it aside. Well, ergo, I was flipping through uh, our channels on our Dish Network and uh, TVN came along and I, I, you know, I know TVN's not uh, the most solid in, uh, in programming, but I saw this segment called Kurt Cameron and I DVR'd it because I knew he was a believer and I'm like, what's this all about? Well, it happened to be uh, the firefighter episode of The Way of the Master uh, TV series. And uh, it, I saw it was bold and I really resonated. And then I listened again to Hell's Best Kept Secret and listen to true and false conversion. And after I listened to true and false conversion, the Holy Spirit just hit me. You know, that that, that message was literally my life. Um, <laughs> you know, walking through First uh, John mm-hmm. and the Lord broke me under repentance. And not only that, but he gave me a zeal uh, for um, getting out in the Green Bay area and uh, sharing the gospel. Uh, so I was at farmers markets, uh, training, you know, men's groups, training just about anybody we could to get out to farmers markets, passing up tracks, um, had not open air preached or anything along those lines, uh, had signed up for the ambassadors Academy. And prior to that, I ended up meeting Bill. <laughs> so, um, I was, I was on a work trip, uh, to Georgia. And at this time it was the gospel news or yeah, the gospel news network and seed sowers and everything else. And I was on some forms and had looked for somebody in the Atlanta area. Well, I met up with a gentleman and we were laboring for a couple of weeks and he said, well, why don't you come down to the sweet almond festival with me? I want you to meet a guy. So we get to the entrance of the sweet Auburn festival and there's bill um, in his duster you know, his duster is cowboy boots. And we went down to the church and um, it, it, the Sweet Auburn Festival is like the largest black festival in Atlanta. It's like 15 blocks. Uh, it was a great time. And I, I always kind of tease Bill because he looks at me, he goes, so you want to preach? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm signed up to go to the Ambassadors Academy in like a couple of weeks. I want to learn how to preach there. He's like, well, there's no better time than now. Just open up your Bible and you know, preach. And I'm like, nah, nah. He's like, all right, then turns around and, you know, just starts preaching. (laughs) So, uh, but had some great conversations there, went out to the ambassador's academy and uh, came back in my first uh, time to open air preach, uh, which would shock quite a few people um, was on a Memorial day weekend in front of our convention center to uh, a myriad of roughly 5,000 Jehovah's Witnesses mm. uh, was my first time to open air preach um, and almost got hit. Uh, there was a guy who came up and was not happy with me. And uh, one of my other brothers kind of sidestepped in and just kind of moved the guy aside. But mm-hmm. so that, that was kind of a little bit of a testimonial to to where we're almost at now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and, and praise the Lord for um, using Way of the Master, Kirk Cameron. Right. I remember, brother, I'm with you. I seen it on TBN and I thought, uh, same thing. I was kind of like, this is a little, but again, I knew Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains. I didn't know he'd become a Christian. Uh, right. I did see the Left Behind movies. Uh, but uh, I'm watching it. And the one I seen was, I think it was like a gunslinger or something. They were in doing the West okay. kind of thing. And I was like, this is pretty, pretty cool. You know, it's pretty, pretty uh, impressive. Uh, let me just give it a little more time and see. I'll watch a few more episodes and see if there's anything unbiblical with it. Um, but uh, that's kind of what opened up, I think, for me, the opportunity to meet other guys that were evangelists. Because mm-hmm. I didn't go to any of the ambassadors academies or anything. But when I started to look online for people that were um, doing similar things, I started to come across other guys who were involved and have been to those things, which led me to the Derby and where I was able to come out. And that was my first time meeting Bill 
Um, and for those that may be tuning in and we're talking about Bill, we're talking about Bill Adams. He's with Sports Fan Outreach International. Right. Uh, you can go to SFOI. I think it's .org or it's .com. Um, it's one or the other. But it's um, but you can go and check it out. And they host events at sporting uh, you know, events. So you basically you go to these sporting events like we talked about the Kentucky Derby. The Super Bowl is a big one. Uh, they even go overseas. They go out of the mm -hmm. country and do stuff like Wimbledon. They go over to England. And, and they just preach the gospel at these events. And I know for the Derby, we've had up to maybe 40 so guys out there. I think the uh, Super Bowl has maybe up to 100 some guys at times. Right. You know, so a lot of guys, because sometimes when you're doing evangelism, you think there's really not a lot of guys out there, uh, maybe in your area. But at the time, you know, when you get together with these guys, it's a great opportunity to basically glean from one another to learn from one another to be encouraged by one another so that when you go back to your area and even if you may be the one of the few that's there you have a foundation you have brothers praying for you and 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 i've seen and and uh heath you've probably seen as well those areas that we go back to start to grow and you start to see other guys come along and get involved as well and so Amen. um that's just a little bit of of info with the sports fan outreach international i don't know if there's anything else you'd want to say about that uh or if you want to get into that more when we get into the workshop but just some of your thoughts on that well you know having met bill uh back in when i he asked me to open air preach shortly after that i was at one of the other conferences and this was right before um my first super bowl um outreach and the year that he wanted you know he was like come on let's go uh, the Packers actually were in the Super Bowl in Dallas. Um, you know, when it was the, I guess you could say the ice bowl outside. <laughs> but I didn't attend that one. But then uh, shortly after that, I, I attended the Indianapolis Super Bowl. And yeah, it, as you said, it's a great time to get together with, you know, brothers and in some events, uh, sisters to labor together, to glean from one another, to to sharpen and hone your skills, to receive at least from the team leaders, because every time you're at one of these events, you're kind of broken up into teams and you have like a leader there uh, that's in his primary job is to kind of, I guess you could say, keep the peace with the authorities per se as much as possible, uh, but also uh, intervene in those aspects. But really uh, a brother who is, you know, is seasoned and can also help grow you know, younger brothers or even seasoned brothers uh, along and give them encouragement and help them along in their preaching as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now brother, now was it the fisherman's call, the ministry that you're with now? Um, did that come after you'd have been doing the stuff with sports fan or, I mean, I would think it seems like it, but yeah. maybe you want to let us know how you got involved with Fisherman's Call and about what that ministry is. Sure, sure. So uh, Fisherman's Call um, actually was a sister ministry. Um, at one point, I had uh, two other brothers who were with me in what was called Burn Brothers Ministries, which kind of started shortly after um, we had started preaching at the Jehovah's Witness uh, conventions and a lot of the other events. And eventually, uh, a couple of brothers had some other uh, circumstances go on. So for a while, it was myself. Uh, up here in Green Bay, kind of as Burn Brothers Ministries, and had always had uh, our brothers in Fond du Lac, which is about an hour away. Um, they had also had an evangelism ministry, and we would kind of, kind of swap back and forth with different events like the Packer games and the first Super Bowl uh, with now my ministry partner, uh, Dwayne Schneider, uh, in Indianapolis. And it was probably about the San Francisco Super Bowl where right before we had left, um, we kind of had both been praying about it and said, you know, since we labor so much alongside of each other and to add an extra layer of accountability, um, of course my church is, is fully on board and my elders are fully uh, supportive of the ministry. Um, I decided to, you know, disband Burn Brothers Ministries and kind of merge into Fisherman's Call. Uh, so I'm kind of like the northern arm, I guess you could say, of Fisherman's Call, just being an hour away. Uh, but it's been a great time. Uh, we we do events in Fond du Lac. We do events in Green Bay. Past couple of years, we've been out at UW Oshkosh uh, consistently throughout the semester. Uh, we've started to get into uh, biblical counseling and discipleship. Mm. 
and we're kind of working a little, well, I shouldn't say a little bit, but we're seeking the Lord on uh, a possible church plant that has kind of gone, you know, grown and then COVID came and then it kind of shrunk. And now we're kind of at a, kind of like a Bible study or still seeking the Lord. So I've had opportunities to, uh, to preach on Sunday evenings as, as pulpit preaching and also just kind of expanded, as you said, it kind of, you get back from a lot of these events and then all of a sudden you see the ministry areas and we're out on uh, Saturday nights in Appleton, which is about 30 miles from us. And we're preaching in the bar district and just seeing the Lord work, mm-hmm. you know, on the street while people are trying to get away from everything possible and yet they're confronted with the gospel. So, yeah. Well, a couple questions I want to throw at you, yeah. and, and then um, is one you mentioned already uh, people getting mad at you at the Jehovah Witness conventions. Yeah. I know that's something you guys <laughs> do every year, and um, <clears throat> I've I've attempted. Well, I've gone down to the Jehovah Witness conventions here in Cleveland, um, and it is a very very tough crowd. So maybe you can speak to that because I know, like sometimes I've had some guys that would want to come out, and I'm I'll say to them, "Look, it's difficult. They're probably not going to take your track." They're not going to want to have one-on-one conversations. <laughs> it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be a couple hours out there. But trust me, it'll pay off. But I mean, like, um, maybe you could speak to that. Another thing is you mentioned, you know, doing these ministries, doing stuff on Saturday nights. And um, maybe how do you maybe give some um, encouragement to people to kind of balance that? Because ministry, we know, do you have a, you have a, uh, I don't want to say secular, you have a job right? So you work. Right. How, how do we balance those things? Maybe you could speak a little bit out to encourage people because sometimes people say, well, I don't have the time, but right. yet at the same time, you want to make sure you manage your time wisely. So maybe you can speak to that too. Yep. All right. Um, so from, you know, the Jehovah's Witness aspect, uh, it, it, is, it is a tough crowd. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, a lot of times if you're preaching, even if you're preaching a solid gospel, uh, they see you as either a former Jehovah's Witness, a, a kind of like an apostate. Uh, so really no interaction a lot of times. I mean, we have had kids come up and try to interrupt the preaching. I've been shushed by 10-year-old kids, which is just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um we have had people come up and engage, but it only lasts a couple of minutes because then one of their, I don't know if it's elders or one of their security guards per se, comes up and will tap them on the shoulder and almost drag them away from you. Um, but a couple of years ago, we had a gentleman, because it's a free event, you know, uh, anybody can come join um, un- unless you're myself or one of my other brothers who's been out there a couple of times. We can't even step foot, you know, on the convention center property, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's a free event. I'm not allowed to be on there because they they already know what I'm what I'm doing. But we had a gentleman who wanted to join, and he said, "I'm going to just see what's going on." You know, you're telling me all these things. He's like, "I want to go inside. I want to see what they're teaching, and everything else." So while we were preaching during lunch, while everybody was out in in the courtyard area. He was kind of in and amongst everybody, kind of as a, a new kind of seeker, Jehovah's Witness. And he, he had heard a couple of ladies that were kind of making some comments. And he asked them, he said, have you heard what they're preaching? And they're like, yeah. He said, well, is there anything that you've heard that's unbiblical? Well, no, there's nothing unbiblical. And he was just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Why, why do you have an issue with them? And, and they really couldn't answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he did say is his observations are, even though standing on the sidewalk, you know, preaching to them, we don't think they're listening. He said, but there's no doubt that, you know, they, they're listening to what you're saying, even though it doesn't appear that way. They're listening to what you're saying. And, and it's, it's really a labor in, of course, the sovereignty and the faithfulness of God. We're, we're called to preach to them, and you know the the, the message will go out, mm-hmm. and the, we're just leaving it to the Holy Spirit uh, to convict their hearts. And Lord willing, we'll see people turn from, you know, the abhorrent or the inerrant teachings, or sorry, errant teachings um, 
of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, as far as a, you know, balancing ministry and balancing uh, work, um, a unique situation a couple of years ago, my full-time position was eliminated. Um, so a couple of things that I have gone um, out to do is some freelance opportunities. Uh, so I'm working with my ministry partner with a lot of uh, project management, business development, uh, redesigning their website. And that gives me uh, some income along the way to have the flexibility uh, to, you know, be out on a weekday per se at mm -hmm. UW Oshkosh. But even amongst this, the balance is first and foremost to, uh, if you're married, <laughs> make sure that your wife is on board. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes it's a difference. Yeah, yeah, it makes a huge difference if it, she's not. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough if if not. Um, and other times, like Saturday nights, I know it, it's going to be shortcutting my sleep. You know, it, we're, we start out at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, and sometimes we're not done until 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and then come home, and we have the Lord's Day. Uh, so you're getting a little bit of uh, shortcutted sleep, uh, but at the same time, uh, you look to manage. And the reason I say you look to manage is, you know, we make time for a lot of things. <laughs> right. And th those that are important, we will make the time for. Now, if somebody's new and listening to this, um, I, I'm not going to put that burden on them, but you know, it's just one of those those things that those that are those that are most important to us, uh, we we will make time for. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, sometimes that's you know, it is shortcutting sleep, but it's for kingdom work, so uh, definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think probably some of those uh, sports fan outreach events have helped you limit your sleep. <laughs> Because <laughs> if you don't know, go to an event, you'll find out. So right. <laughs> they're very on the go, very little sleep. Um, and, and actually, you do get time to sleep, but guys are so happy to be there when it is their time to, to be able to rest. They just love to talk to each other till 1 o'clock in the morning or so and then <laughs> get up and pray for an hour and go out to the, to the uh, event. So right. now, brother um, – Getting into these workshops and, yes. and, and talking about uh, what you guys are doing with Sports Fan Outreach. Sports Fan, as, as we mentioned, you can go to SFOI um, and you can check out what they've got going on. But they've always tried to, at least from my time of being with them, make it teachable right. to those that were coming. So you would have, for my example, from my um, experiences, when I would go to the Derby, they would have some professors come from mm -hmm. Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And then over the years, some of the other guys, the evangelists, pastors, teachers, open air preachers that would come would then teach. So they were always, there was always a time of teaching, preaching right. to the guys that were coming in. So you weren't just coming to this event just to go out there and preach, but you were getting fed while you were there. You were getting instruction. You were getting encouragement from other brothers. That was something they've always done. Um, and now you guys are doing these workshops and mm -hmm. if, if my memory serves me right, you got in, involved in this, I think with Simeon Trust. I don't know if you want to mention some of that as, yeah. you know, as the process and then kind of go from there as far as what you're doing with the workshops. Yeah. So back about 2015, I think it was almost right after the San Francisco, um, Super Bowl, Bill had sent out an email and said, do you want to grow in your preaching? And he had given like three different types of events that he had recommended. Uh, one of them was a preaching workshop that I went to and uh, great teachers, but it, it gave you a lot of didactics, but not a lot of hands-on. Mm -hmm. And they did mimic it and it was great. But one thing I've, 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 I'll tell you, I've struggled with at times, even, you know, some great resources out there. I'll, I'll use grasping God's word and hopefully uh, the authors don't hear it and go, well, why are you trashing it? Um, I'm not. <laughs> but they give you these exercises, but you never know if you're on the right track. They don't like have an answer key. So you're really kind of like, you know, as we were kind of talking about, really wrestling with getting the text right. So how do, how do you go about doing that? Um, and one of the opportunities he had was a Charles Simeon Trust workshop. And just so happened to be 
right after the Super Bowl, there was one coming up um, just in a couple of weeks. And it happened to be on Ecclesiastes. And I happened to be in almost like a year-long reading through Ecclesiastes. I was just kind of, the Holy Spirit drew me into that book. So here we are, you know, God's timing, trying to grow in preaching. Ecclesiastes, my favorite book. Charles Simeon Trust, let's go. Well, uh, a Charles Simeon Trust live workshop is two and a half days, primarily designed for pulpit pastors or really anybody that teaches, but their main focus is um, helping pulpit pastors grow in expositional preaching. So two and a half days, they give you two text assignments ahead of time, and they give you this worksheet and they say, have at it. <laughs> and then you come back and they start walking through these principles of exegesis and uh, exposition or hermeneutics and homiletics, um, which is the studying of the text. And then of course, uh, looking at delivering it. Mm -hmm. And as they work through these principles, you then realize, oh man, I, I, I'm just feeling about this small right now um, and how I'm handling the text. But the real value of it is the reason that you have these text assignments is there's small group sessions, which are the bulk. And I think the most valuable out of all of them. And you gather around in these small groups of eight to 10 guys. And their goal is not necessarily to, you know, critique the work from saying, I don't like how you did this or this. They're driving you back to the text. And you don't walk out of there going, yes, I got my text 100% right. Uh, because the goal is not to walk out knowing you got the text right. The goal is, are you utilizing the tools and, and the principles that are there to handle the text? And what's kind of like the process that you're going through to get there? Are you seeing some things that the text is drawing out and maybe you didn't catch it? And, and it's really, the reason it's a workshop is it's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the I think it was Mike Bullmore, who's one of the pastors in Kenosha that puts this on, um, had made a comment in one of the workshops. In one sense, we never on this side of eternity preach a perfect sermon. But yet even in our shortcomings, the Holy Spirit will still use it to accomplish his work. Mm. So I, I was really drawn to the workshop, even though it was so intimidating to be in front of eight or 10, you know, brothers who are there to encourage you. It's peer review. You're putting your work on the line and kind of like a, uh, an open fire per se uh, for them to help you grow. Uh, but I came out of it with just such a joy in laboring during that time that it's, it's a workshop that's on my calendar automatically. So after going through a couple of these and continuing to start to apply this in my own preaching, you know, how do I understand the text? Do I understand the text rightly? How do I go about delivering a 20 minute sermon? Because in the pulpit, you have like sometimes eh, 30, 45 minutes, depending upon uh, the church's time limit, but you don't have that on the street. Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you kind of condense that down? And, and get the main thrust of what the author is trying to work on. So I've been working on that sh uh, slowly but surely. And I think uh, one, of the, one of the times we were at the Derby and we were hanging out on 4th and Central, uh, you, you might have potentially even seen a, a total shift uh, per se. All of a sudden I'm opening up like Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for everything. I'm starting to read through the text and I'm starting to explain the text. And it, it really gives me the the opportunity to allow that when i say allow meaning the holy spirit goes forth because that's god's word mm -hmm. it's not my thoughts it's not my you know conglomerate of uh patching verses together i'm trying to understand that section of scripture the way that the author understood it so a couple of super bowls i was really trying to you know, promote it, promote it, promote it amongst the guys. You really need to get these workshops, really need to get these workshops. Um, and even talking with Bill quite a bit about it. And one of the um, Simeon Trust, I guess you could say, trainers is in Atlanta. And he came in during the Atlanta Super Bowl and gave a couple of sessions. And you could see everybody's eyes just like light up. 
because he was talking about context. And we took some passages and we worked through them and talking about things like text and framework, which is the presuppositions that we bring to the text and what's going to rule the text or our presupposition. And a lot of them were logistically couldn't make it to a, a workshop. There are a couple of other brothers who had made it to workshops. Well, two years ago, um, right around after the Super Bowl, uh, Bill was trying to get one of the guys to come to the George Whitfield program, which is a week-long training for those that want to either grow in their preaching or um, go full-time in evangelism. And he called me up one day and he said, uh, Heath, he's like, I know you're an evangelist on many fronts. And one of them is the Simeon Trust. The other one is, you know, open-air preaching and ministry. And he said, you've been through some of these workshops. He's like, I tried to get a guy there and logistically it can't work out. He's like, you think you can train one? <laughs> and and it, it, it was a joy because I said, I think so. You know, I think I think I can, I can put it together. And uh, two years ago at the George Whitfield program, uh, we, we took, I think it was 10 guys uh, through, um, kind of like an overall, you know, every, pretty much every lesson that they have as a, as a basic lesson going through it. And we did give um, the guys a, a, two assignments that they had to work on and preach like mm -hmm. a 15 to 20 minute sermon and do the worksheet. And it was intimidating for a lot of them a lot, but it just, we bonded, you know, yeah. underneath the word of God. And it just expanded from the George Whitfield program to last fall. We did an online and brought people, to, you know, 10 guys through uh, first principles. Um, and you can find that on Sports Fan Outreach International's uh, YouTube. We had them recorded. We put them out there. And then this past Super Bowl, we did a modified like a four lesson. So a condensed version on the Thursday before the Super Bowl outreach. And we've really started to kick off these workshops, uh, two in the spring, two in the fall. We have a couple coming up here right after Labor Day. And we're really focusing in on literary types, not genres, but basic literary types. Um, so primarily, when we talk about literary types, there's three literary types. There is poetry, there is narrative, and what's known as discourse. And I, I know, Ricky, I said I was going <laughs> to ask you this question, and maybe I'm wrong, but um, it, when you're primarily preaching in the open air, where are you preaching from? Well, we, <laughs> we kind of talked about it a little bit, um, right. so I kind of knew it was coming. Right. But uh, primarily, it's from the New Testament. Yeah, primarily from the New Testament. I do preach some in the Psalms. I love Psalm 2. I love yep. Psalm 8. Yep. Uh, Psalm 110, you know, so there, there are some Psalms and Genesis is a good one, depending mm -hmm. on where you are, but primarily it's the New Testament. Um, when I'm out on the streets and the Hebrew Israelites are around, I'm going to Galatians, right. you know, um, when I'm, uh, let's see, Romans, when I'm talking to atheists and whatnot, I love to go to Romans one when I'm stuck, John chapter three, <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, John three sixteen is always a great passage to preach. So primarily the New Testament. Right. And for a lot of us, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Paul's letters is where we turn to quite often. Um, and that's known as discourse. You have a lot of grammar markers in your text. You have a lot of logical flow argumentation. And, and that resonates with us. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to preach, but it, it in following the logic, that's what we're kind of used to. And what we're trying to do, like in, in the spring, we went through 1 Samuel. And then we did Hebrews. And now we're going to be doing Ecclesiastes. And then we're going to be doing the Gospel of Mark. So you'll notice that there's different literary types. Mm -hmm. We have narrative primarily in 1 Samuel. And to think, who who would think about preaching First uh, Samuel four, where the ark has left Israel and goes on this world tour 
you know, among the Philistines and, you know, they're, they're trying to get rid of it and the showdown with Dagon and everything else. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with that on the street? Right. <laughs> There's a lot in there that you can bring to the street that's relevant. Yeah. You know, God, God's not going to be minimized and he's not going to bow down to an idol. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's the thing, like, because <clears throat> when you think about it, like you said, preaching from the pulpit inside of a church where he's explaining, you know, maybe you're going through a book, for, you know, uh, expositionally verse by verse. But on the streets, a lot of times I think the mindset is, um, and, and you can correct me or, or verify if you believe this is it, but you only have so much time. So I really can't expound upon a whole, you know, passage. I, maybe I only have this crowd, like for the sporting events, as they're going in. Right. You know, I don't have them for maybe more than 15 minutes, you right. know, maybe even less than that. Yep. So maybe you want to speak to some of that, because that's what I, I think a lot of people's mind is. I got to like stop light preaching. So I've only got, you know, until this light changes green. Right. You know? <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, I'm with you. You know that I, I don't want to say that was, but the Lord's really convicted me. Mm hmm you know, in that aspect. And he, he's convicted me to say, this is my word. Amen. Yeah. And if you, I don't want to say it's like a lock and key, open the treasure chest. But if we think about it, if we handle the word rightly, the Holy Spirit is going to work in hearts of hearers. It, it's going to, the word proclaimed rightly is going to demand a response. It has to, mm. even if it's apathy. But I'm convinced and convicted that as they're passing by, whatever peace they hear, the Holy Spirit will apprehend them. And they'll stop and they'll listen. Um, or if they have pay no attention, they're just going to go on their way. And I, I can tell you not that I'm all about pragmatics and it's not about experiential, but I can tell you over the past roughly six months as we've been preaching uh, on the bar district, we've had people just walk past a couple of times and then all of a sudden just stop and be locked in. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're kind of thinking, whoa, what just happened? You know, <laughs> but it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's apprehending them at that point in time. Um, so I, I'm not too concerned always about, you know, I only have 30 seconds. I only have, now I, I'm not necessarily always like three point or five point preaching, although I will say I'm sharing some ideas from this text. Mm -hmm. And I will kind of work through that passage in almost like a, a mini pulpit sermonette per se, um, but, but focusing in on the main thrust. Mm -hmm. of the passage, but I'm always kind of, as people are coming back through, you know, I, I may pause for a moment and say, um, you know, folks, here's what we're talking about. Here's what I'm preaching about and just kind of reel it back in. And the, the, the other thing too is, is really, really focusing in, which um, takes a lot of discipline mm -hmm. in crafting that message. Where am I going with it? What, what am I trying to get done <laughs> per se in my text? What, right. What's my purpose? Sometimes it's, it's a narrative like 1 Samuel 4. Um, other times it's a, a phrase. And when I say a phrase, like, uh, let me see here, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Um, Therefore, by the grace of God... Um, Oh, here, let me see if I can grab it real here, here real quick. Uh, that way I don't misquote it here. Nope. Got to be first or eight, nine. Should have had that pulled up ahead of time. Sorry about that. Okay. There we go. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you might by his poverty might become rich. That right there, you know, a four statement, therefore looking back, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. 
And I know he's writing to a church. He's writing to a church of believers. But this also has application for an unbeliever. You don't know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm sharing with you is, you, you, you know, the, the comprehension of what Christ has done is foreign to you. But know that our high king of heaven left, you know, left his throne, <laughs> took on flesh and became a servant. Mm. And I will often use, I don't know how many CEOs in a company will become the mail clerk. You know, just leave everything to become a servant. Right. That by his servanthood, his poverty, we might become rich because of what he's done. We inherit the riches as co-heirs of the king. And it's more than that, but I'm saying just that 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 verse is just pregnant with the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is a way to just expound in its context what Paul's trying to get done to the Corinthian church, as well as, you know, realizing that as an unbeliever, you don't know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the mercy, but you don't know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ outside of his person and his work. Yeah. Um, so so I, I'm preaching to two different facets, and, I, and I'm always keeping a believer in mind, too. Mm-hmm. Because that's our opportunity to continue to disciple them in sanctification. Yeah, I want to kind of come back to is the the fact that we all bring presuppositions to the text. Yes, always. And yes. sometimes we don't even recognize we are reading into it what we have preconceived or pre-thought. I don't even know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. have have believed about a certain passage. Maybe you've just always been told it's this way. And so you're you're coming to it already. And then you also mentioned the context and understanding what's important with the context of what you're reading. How would the first century, like for the New Testament, how would that first century reader have taken what's being read? Because a lot of times, and I think for the the most part, I'm just going to say that the, the many of the people that I know that come to sports fan outreach do a a decent job. But obviously, mm-hmm. we we all want to become better open air preachers. That's why the workshops. That's why right. you know we're trying. But I mean, but for the most part, uh, do a decent job of of trying to stay close within the context. Right. There are some out there that are way off context in their preaching, and so understanding the importance of trying to get that context right. And as you said, you know, like the presuppositions that we bring to it. So maybe can you, can you address that a little bit more? Um, Because that's, I think what you're doing in this workshop is saying, look, we want to, we want to say what the Bible says, Mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise what are we doing? We're giving our opinions on things. So go ahead, brother. Yeah. So kind of a, I, if I had to coin a phrase, and you might have heard it a couple of times, I don't want to preach from the Bible. I want to preach the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's there's a distinct difference there. Um, I, I I think Jimmy Hamilton um, has a great, in his book, So You Want to Be a Street Preacher. He's got a paragraph that I use um, and give him credit and citation for it, because I'll tell you, it's just so um, excellent. Exhortation or exposition? And the difference between the two. Exhortation is giving kind of a defense and maybe building verses together to try to persuade somebody as to why to become a Christian, why to become a believer. Exposition is taking a passage of Scripture and explaining it in a persuasive manner as to how it's going to apply to your heart. And there's a difference between the two. He kind of says, you know, uh, an ex, um, one who's an exhorter can become a preacher. But if you're exhorting, that's not preaching. And that that's really poignant because all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> so, Um, As I say all of this, when we talk about context, 
Um, I'm not bringing a lot of times a lot of the historical context or anything like that. A lot of that is for me to help me understand the passage so that I can bring what's what's going to be important in understanding the text, even to those who are out on the street. Mm -hmm. So I don't spend a lot of time on, you know, hey, Paul's preaching to the Corinthian church and uh, this is what's going on. I, I try to find the, the, the context aspects that are going to help me inform someone of the meaning. Mm. Um, but a lot of the other context is for me to help understand so I can craft my message. Right. Um, I, I think the the presupposition or what they call text and framework is key. And what it boils down to is we all have frameworks. And it's not that we we get rid of our frameworks. Not like all frameworks aren't bad. Mm -hmm. You know, you growing up in or living in Ohio, me living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we 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 are around different people. And our lives have helped shape different things about us and how we see the world. Some of those things are good. Some of those things aren't necessarily good. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand we all have frameworks. We all have, um, you know, whether it's eschatology, whether it's, you know, confessional church, non-confessional church, um, our view on social justice, racial injustice, all of these things. It, we even see it now, <laughs> you know, amongst the churches, we're seeing a huge like schism going on right now. That that's all a, a framework, right? The goal is not to just say, okay, just shove your frameworks in a closet and don't bring them out. That the, the framework that you see scripture through has to be subservient to the text, right? And are we humble enough? <laughs> are we humble enough to say, okay, my framework's getting shifted. It's getting changed. What's going to be king? Mm -hmm. What's going to wear the crown? My, my framework or the text? And, and the text is either going to kind of strengthen my framework it's going to possibly shatter my framework. It's going to alter my framework. But what do I do with that? You know, how do I wrestle with that? And ultimately, I think most of us would say, well, the, the Bible is king. The text is king. Um, well, then we need to be humble enough to say, well, maybe my framework needs to change. Mm -hmm. And is that going to, you know, is that going to become secondary um, otherwise, what ends up happening is, you know, like today we preach to the culture. You know, we, we want to attack the culture with a framework. Um, and, I, I, you know, in most of, I think almost all of my preaching, I can't say every 100% word that I say, but if I'm, if I'm addressing the culture, it's used in an illustration or an application. It's not used that I'm preaching against the culture. Um, the gospel is countercultural anyway. <laughs> right. I, I don't. I, I don't have to go looking for a fight. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, the the right. text will bring bring the fight to you. <laughs> so, right. no, absolutely, absolutely. So, well, we got about ten minutes left in yeah. the program. Um, what are some of the things maybe that we have not brought out that's on your mind about these workshops? Um, anything you else you would like to to say on this? Um, yeah. and then, and then I also want to make sure we have time, <clears throat> excuse me, towards the end where you can put it out there to promote it, where yeah. people can get, um, connected with these workshops. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, one thing that I, I would just like to point out is, um, you know, this has been a journey for me. Uh, this has been like five years of, uh, six years of growing in, you know, in my, I guess you could say my, my craft, of open air preaching. And I, I've talked with brothers and sometimes they say, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I don't have the time to do this. And uh, it, it does take time, you know, to, to study and work through a passage. Yet I, I don't preach a passage once and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's constantly, okay, here's my first version. 
well, that didn't go so well. So I continually refine it, but I, I am putting significant work into it before I ever preach it. And I guess with the time that you have, you know, we talked about juggling different things. Uh, the time that you have, understand if I could give you like three things to really look at that would just propel you. Know how the text is structured. Know how the author has broken the text. You get that nailed down, you are more than, I, I don't even want to put a percentage, but you're probably halfway there. Uh, the next thing, look at your legitimate gospel connection. Um, and when I say legitimate, I'm not talking about, you know, um, unnecessary typology. Or as one person turned around and I, I read um, an illustration where a guy was trying to um, compare a tent stake in the tabernacle to Christ's life. And because it was a six inch tent stake, there were, it was three inches in the ground, three inches out. And that was, you know, Christ three, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but legitimate connections that we can gather to the gospel. And then what am I making as my argument to my hearers? What is the main thrust that the author is getting? How do I apply that to my hearers? And that's really, you know, the focus of that time. Uh, but but I'm not going to lie to you; it takes work. <laughs> absolutely. So. Yeah, absolutely takes work. That's one of the things I think that if you're going to preach, though, as you said, going to some of these workshops, being around other brothers, and the one thing we got to remember, because I, I I get it we can get sadly unfortunately because of maybe the pride that is in our hearts intimidated by our peers of mm -hmm. what are they going to say right. but i can tell you the brothers that i've got to know through sports fan outreach um want to help you grow to be a better open air preacher amen because we're all in this we're all growing we're all learning new things nobody has perfect theology we're all continuing to grow right and so we want to be better open air preachers, not for our own namesake, but because we want to glorify God through the preaching of his word. Right. And so to be able to take the time and, and I, and I get it too, you know, with a family, with work, with trying to do ministry, with trying to prepare for the radio show and do things <laughs> right. Time just, you know, there's a time for everything, a season, right? Right. As Ecclesiastes, that's your book. <laughs> but, but sometimes you don't feel you have the time. But honestly, <clears throat> if you, the one thing I've learned about scripture, and, and Heath, you can verify this if, if, if it's the same for you, and I'm, I'm sure it is. When you start to store away things and you study it and you prepare it out, even if you don't preach it for a little while, when you do come back to it, it's there. You may have to refresh Right. But you get out on the street and you start preaching this when you're at this event. You go to another event and you're preaching this. As you were saying, it gets honed in and it mm -hmm. gets better the more that you're able to kind of go through it. So that right. when you spent the time initially digging in it, now you come back to that text and you spend still time in it. But now you've kind of you've you've worked some of these things out. So now you get out there and you're just able to prepare it. And again, knowing that the brothers that are around you aren't there for the criticism or to, to come down hard on you, but to encourage you and help build you up. Amen. Yeah. We're here to make progress. None of us has arrived, you know, even as, <laughs> you know, as, as I'm training it uh, and, and working uh, through the workshops, we haven't arrived. You know, we, we will not arrive this side of heaven. Um, and, and yes, uh, you know, in some of the outreaches like uh, this coming up Super Bowl. I have the privilege of leading a team like I did last year. Um, yeah, and I just saw that, Larry. Yeah, read, read, and read. Uh, <laughs> above all, above all else, keep reading, uh, and, and that'll help you understand how the author actually <laughs> has broken down the passage. Uh, but it was just a joy last year, and I'm looking forward to it this year. Where the team that I had, um, I kind of shared with them. I said, "Look, um, you guys are all experienced." 
So I'm, I'm going to just kind of off the fly as I hear you preaching, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm just going to kind of walk with you through it. And I just want to, you know, I just want to just take it in and soak it in and uh, just offer some, some tips, some, some hints as I'm, as I'm seeing some things go through. And, and it was just a blessed time, you know, to be able, like you said, to work and, you know, Hey, here, here's what, here's what can help strengthen our, our, expositional preaching yeah yeah absolutely it, it's it's a, such a huge blessing and brother i love you you've you've been a, a huge encouragement to me the many times that i've been able to to minister with you at the derby it's interesting this last one i went to the derby and you came to cleveland so you know for <laughs> hey, the, I, uh, uh what was it the um major league baseball or what was it baseball it, it was, was the it draft was, oh yeah the draft that's what it was see <laughs> I, I enjoy going to the sporting events. I don't watch a lot of sports if that just proved it for you, but right. <laughs> uh, you know um, but yeah, brother, I've, I've appreciated uh, having you on. I really want people to get connected. If you're yeah. interested in going to go out and evangelize, you know, maybe the call to open air preach isn't for you, but you want to get out there and evangelize. You may find out, you know, you are called to open air preaching, you know, but at the same time, get out there and do it. Just take that opportunity to go in and, and try it out and see what you think about uh, open air preaching or see if it's something the Lord's pressing upon you. But if you, you are called into that, um, just I'm telling you, sports fan outreach is a great place to get connected with other brothers yep. and to get built up. And these workshops, you said you guys got one coming up after Labor Day. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, out on SFOI.org um, under evangelist info, you're going to see a link or a section for a page that says open air preacher Bible exposition. And, uh, the, the next two, uh, one of them starts September 14th. Um, it's going to be six weeks, twice a week, uh, Tuesday nights, Saturday morning. And, uh, yeah, my book, uh, <laughs> we're going to go through Ecclesiastes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through the principles. Um, everybody's going to have a text and you're going to prepare the text. It's going to be almost a month before you actually jump into a small group and present that text. But uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to drive you into the word and kind of challenge you on how you're viewing some things in the word and give you some encouragement on how to grow. And if Ecclesiastes isn't something you want to dive into, uh, then coming up October 26th, so which is right after um, Ecclesiastes, we're going to take six weeks and we're going to go through the gospel of Mark. Mm. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to talk about the principles, how they apply to the gospels, how we understand the gospels. Uh, we're going to be assigned a text and we're going to do the same thing. And, you know, really when I look at it with the NFL season coming up, uh, the Major League Baseball, like it's already been through the All-Stars. Think of this as spring training. Think of this as spring training. And if you're new to open air preaching, You've just been drafted. <laughs> You've just been drafted into, you know, your your season. And we want to work on the fundamentals. And that's really what it is. If you're a rookie, you're honing the fundamentals. If you're seasoned, if you're an all-star, you come back to spring training, you come back to um, I training camp. There we go. I was trying to think of it now with football. Training camp. And what are you doing? You're working on the fundamentals. You're working on the plays that you knew were last year and you're getting more reps and you're dusting off the rust and you're committing to the playbook. And that's really what this is. Um, if I could sum it up, we're, we're doing a, a seminary level crash course. I'm not getting into the languages, uh, but you know, how can we outside of the original languages, how can we understand scripture? How can we understand as we were talking about context, structure, the gospel connections, how do we prepare a sermon? We're doing all of this to grow in our preaching so that we can proclaim the word rightly. We can be diligent workmen who do not need to be ashamed. We're handling the word of truth the best as possible. And we're letting the Holy Spirit, and again, he doesn't need our permission, but we're allowing, <laughs> we're getting out of the way is basically what we're doing. Uh, the Holy Spirit is front and center to do the work. And uh, may he be pleased to accomplish what he does through our preaching. Amen. 
Amen. <clears throat> well, Heath, thank you, brother, for coming on the program and uh, taking the time to share what you're doing with these workshops there. Uh, like I said, no better, no better opportunity to grow in your preaching than to take up one of these workshops, get involved, uh, get connected with one of these outreaches that they have coming up, coming up, and uh, and pick the brains of these brothers like Heath Amen. and the others that are there, like Bill Adams. <clears throat> excuse me. And, and you will grow. These brothers are there. They want to encourage you. They want to see you grow because again, our purpose is to glorify God. Amen. And we want to do that through the preaching of his word. We want to see lost souls saved. We want to see those that are believers edified and encouraged to be a witness in their context of their, their life as they go through and they're seeing others out witnessing as well. So <clears throat> until next week, that's been G220 radio. Um, Mike should be back with me next week, and uh, I really don't remember what's on the on the schedule, but we'll we'll get at we'll get that out there. But that's G two twenty radio. Until next time, God bless.